0: again to the Perimeter Church podcast. We're pleased to bring you the message from this week's worship service. For more information about this message, this week's teacher, and to watch or see other messages, please visit our website at perimeter.org. We are taught this week by lead teacher, Randy Pope. Thank you for joining us today. All right. Honest response, not to me, but just to yourself. Answer the question. When you hear the words, the law of God, the law of God, is it a positive or is it a negative? What happens when you hear the law of God? I tell you, if, if you're saying it's positive, you are unique among the people of this world. You are unique among the people of church today because the vast, vast majority, it is proven by surveys... Let me tell you, the vast majority of people think negatively when they hear the law of God. Now, we're in a series that started last week. I'm entitling the series The Lovable Law because this law is very lovable. It should bring a plus, a positive thought whenever we hear the idea of the law of God. I'm praying that For this church, it's going to change where from this point on, once we finish this series, when we hear, think about the law of God, it's going to be a big, big, big plus, a positive that comes to our mind. Particularly, I'm praying that for our young people. I'm preparing that, this whole series, I'm preparing it for our young people. I want the young people of this church, I want them to be out in their schools, wherever they are, And I want them to think in terms of the law as the most positive thing of all and that it might guide the way that they live. Now, in light of that, last week I made it clear that there are two misconceptions that are most common among even the people of God about the law. The first is that the law was given because God wanted to some way restrict our freedoms. Not so. Number two, that the law was given so that People might, by keeping that law, find acceptance from God. They could merit the favor of God by just keeping His law, His ways. That is not true at all. I used last week a fictitious story, and the word fictitious meaning not true. I used the story of Carol and my relationship, dating and deciding to get married. And we're in marriage counseling, fictitious story, not true. And and, and I, I won't tell it again. And I think I hope you will, particularly for this particular week of last week. Get the podcast if you weren't here. But just because this is the foundation, this week and next week, this is our introduction. We're talking about the law as stipulations. And so I used this fictitious story to say, what if Carol and I were prepared to get married, were about to get married, and I were to reveal to her four things: one that I intended to keep dating other people. Number two, that I intended to keep memorabilia and pictures of, of other loves that, that, that I've had dating people I've been with and so forth. I just want to keep those around that the ring uh, I'm going to wear very sparingly only probably when I'm with her not when I'm away from her. And that in terms of spending time together she shouldn't count on it. It's not going to happen. We'll go places together but don't think of this private time where we really you know, get to know each other well. No, 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 no. That's not my intention and the end of the story being that you know were that a true story that either it would mean one I do not really love Carol and or number two Carol would be crazy to ever marry me under those conditions what we're trying to say is that the giving of the law was nothing more than just saying here are the stipulations of a love relationship because it is given to us in the text of God's Word in two places, but the primary place is in the book of Exodus. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus chapter 20. It's actually chapters 20 through 24 that tell us the whole story of this marriage taking place. Now, I want you to i hope you can trust me on this one. This is not a clever insight let's make this kind of like a marriage in these chapters a marriage between God and Israel no it is the marriage of God and Israel it is truly an engagement and then a marriage so much so is it a marriage that from the very end of this text only until then and now onward the people of Israel a Semitic people will be called the bride, even into the New Testament we have the bride, and in the Old Testament you will hear God refer to himself as the husband of Israel. Very interesting. The text is going to be somewhat an interesting text. I'd love for you to read it with this picture in mind. What happens is Moses, Moses is the leader of the people of Israel. Now from this point on God is going to call the people of Israel a nation. It's a word goy in the Hebrew. It means a collection of many viewed as one. So what he's going to do is say, hey Moses, you're the leader that I've placed over this nation that I'm going to call my goy. And I'm going to make you a very special nation. I want want to marry Israel. I want to be her husband so he calls Moses to the mountain and he says Moses I want to be in covenant the word covenant is a love binding commitment it's a relationship a marriage is a covenant I want to come into covenant with the people of Israel anybody among Semitic people would know that any covenant in a marriage both parties have right to offer stipulations and so each gives their stipulations And at the end of the stipulations What they'll do is they'll negotiate Until they can agree on the stipulations And then they say, now we both are ready Let's do, let's, let's have the covenant Well in this case, he calls Moses to the mountain He says, Moses, I want you to tell the people I want to be in covenant relationship I want to marry them I want to marry them Moses goes down to the people He says, hey folks, gather together You're not going to believe what's happening God wants to marry us He is calling us a nation, a goy. He wants to marry us as a people. The people respond. They understand, okay, there should be stipulations. You know what they say? Without any thought, they say, tell God, whatsoever the Lord says, that we will do. Those are the words. Whatsoever the Lord says, that we will do. Hmm. Then he made stipulations. You know what they're saying? Hey, this is holy God. We're a broken, sinful people. We've been rebellious to God, and He wants to marry us. Hey, huh? We don't put any stipulations. He's the one that makes the stipulations, and whatever they are, we're going to accept. Moses goes back to the mountain, tells the people, or tells God. The people say, "Whatsoever you say, we'll do." He said, "Well, good. You go back and let them know to get ready. I want you back up here, but get them ready. Three days, we're going to have the marriage." And so Moses comes back up to the mountain, and you know what he does? He gives them the Ten Commandments. Moses goes back down the mountain with the two tablets and he says people gather together. God says yes and there are stipulations. Here they are. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And the people respond at the end of chapter 20 verse 17 when it's over. Verse 18 and following you're going to see what happens in this marriage ceremony. The people say whatsoever the Lord says that we will do. Meaning everything that he's outlined of stipulations we will do. Now God says to Moses, now let's do this. Well, Moses goes back up the mountain first and he says, the people said, yes, they'll keep those stipulations. Under those stipulations, they come into relationship with you. He says, three days we have this marriage. Three days later he comes, and that's where we come to the text that we have today. We're going to look at 18 through 20, but I want you to walk through this outline just very so quickly, just so it's a review to those that were here and new people can understand. The giving of the law is fourfold events the engagement chapter 19 through three uh, three through nine and I should say there do you remember you that were here last week I I gave the story of the eagle and the eaglets on the wings and how they pick them up and take them up and so I heard that from my Hebrew professor one of the greatest men I've ever known man wonderful man and he told that story to us in our Hebrew class and we were in Exodus uh, back uh, nearly 50 years ago. I can't tell you how many times I've shared that story. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful story. Uh, until a, a, a dear member of this church uh, wrote very graciously and said, hey, by the way, you might want to check that maybe ur- urban legend. And so I checked, it is urban legend, not even true. What a great illustration went gone by, right? So I don't really know. Maybe, maybe a number of years ago, a bunch of the eaglets got together, and that's the way they used to do it. And they said, we're not going to do that anymore. We don't like it. I don't know. But... <laughs> But it's still the same. I looked at how they do and the, 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 the Mother Eagle does do an incredible thing, but I'm not going to go into that. But, but it's not the way I shared, okay? So just so you know that. Yeah, too bad. Number two, <laughs> the preparation for the wedding is found in chapter 19, 10, and 11. Then the stipulations for the marriage, the Ten Commandments, and all I want you to see is how the first four are laws related to loving God the last six laws related to loving one another and notice the first four key words there suggesting stipulation one love must be singular no God's love must be spiritual no idols love must be sincere no don't take the name of the Lord in vain love must be safeguarded keep the Lord's day that's those are the four those are the first four laws that we'll look at and we'll start with the uh, love must be singular no God's next week but just to understand, these are stipulations to love. That is all that it is. When you get to the, uh, the ceremony, chapter 24, 3 through 8, you see blood introduced. And again, reminder, because this was a sinful, broken people out of relationship with a holy God, there could not be marriage without forgiveness. There cannot be forgiveness without the shedding of blood. Leviticus nineteen eleven 11, made that clear and so blood is shed so that there may be a marriage there can be forgiveness this blood is to be a picture of the blood of our Savior Jesus without which we cannot be in relationship with God that's all it was a marriage and from that point on the husband of Israel now this week we want to look at okay if the reasons for the law is not to restrict freedom it's not to find a way to merit the relationship with God then why why did God give us the law? Now, there is a true way I could have presented this outside the text and presented the three usages of the law. If you're familiar with that, know that I'm not, I'm not going to hit every detail. But I want you to see in the text what God says at this occasion, two usages of the law, two reasons why he gives the law. Chapter 20, 18 through 20, let's read this verse. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. When the people saw it, they trembled. They stood at a distance. They said to Moses, speak to us yourself. We'll listen, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, for God has come, one, in order to test you, and, two, in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Now, so you see this very, very simply. This is what he's saying. Hey, folks, you're scared right now to be in the presence of God. You've seen the smoke billowing, the fire from the mountaintop, the presence of God, and you're freaked out over this thing. No, 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 don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. The reason that he has come and has spoken these words of the Ten Commandments is, first of all, number one, you have it in your outline, to test man's love. It's to test to see if you do love me. The text reads, do not be afraid for God has come in order to text you. Go back to the marriage analogy. Can you imagine Carol and me in that scenario? And let's just say that instead of me coming to her, she sniffs me out. And she says, Randy, something's wrong in this relationship. I can't, I I just got to make sure that we're together on this thing. So instead of me telling her, what if she came to me and said, sit down, pal, you need to listen to me for a minute. I need to hear from you. Are you committed to not ever dating other people? Is that your intention of your heart that you would never date somebody else? Is it the intention of your heart that you would get rid of all the memorabilia and so forth of, of past lovers and those that you're dating now, that you're going to get rid of those things? Are, are you planning to proudly wear the ring that I'll give you? Will you wear that regardless of who you're with and where you are? Will you, will you even say, hey, look, will you make that a priority? And are you going to commit to spending prime time together with me so that we can grow in our love relationship? Are those the intentions of your heart, Randy? And if I were to say no, she wouldn't marry me. But she would do that to test my love for her. Do I really love her or not? And if I said I can't keep those stipulations, her conclusion would be a right conclusion. She'd say, well, then you don't love me. And I'm not going to marry anybody that doesn't love me. I just will not do it If you look through the scriptures There's so many I was so tempted to read a lot of verses That wear you out and You get tired and frustrated to do it. So I'll just give you a couple Romans 3 Romans 3 is so clear Oh my goodness It goes on and on about Without the law There would be no knowledge of sin When you come to the book of Galatians Wonderful book Chapter 3 It says in fact the law It's going to show you your sin and then it's going to become a tutor. It's a good friend because it will become a tutor to literally escort you to see grace so that you'll understand the law was never given for your salvation. There are other reasons for the law, but it's not for you to become into a relationship with me. And it takes you to Jesus, which is what the law is pointing to. Look at what Augustine said hundreds of years ago. He put it this way, he said, as we try to keep the law's requirements and become weary, the law bids us to know how to ask the help of grace. And so that's all it's doing. It's doing just that. Do you remember when Jesus came to the one known as the rich young ruler? He comes to the rich young ruler, and the, or the ruler comes to him and says, uh, hey, teacher, tell me, tell me, tell me, I, I want to go to heaven. I want to I, I be all right and so forth. And I want to tell me, what do I need to do to get right? And Jesus says, "Well, you need to. You need to, first of all, you know, not murder. and You don't need to commit adultery. You need to make sure that you don't lie, that you don't steal, and you gotta honor your parents." He mentions several things, and he broke in and said, "Well, well, good teacher, from my youth up, I've I've kept all those commandments." So then, what he does is he takes the first commandment, and the last commandment, kind of wraps them together. He says, "Okay, here's what you do. You're a rich person. You go sell your possessions, and you give them to the poor." Now you can come follow me. That's all you'll have to do is sell your possessions, give them to the poor. Was he saying by keeping the law, you can come into relationship with me? No. He was using the law in a way to point to the sin of his heart that was unwilling to do so. He couldn't keep the law, and that's what he was showing him. There's a teacher, Ray Comfort, has some great great stuff and, and he highlights the idea that uh, look at the people Jesus talked to and he approached them in different ways some he approached and he gave the law like the rich young ruler others like the woman caught in sin at the well never used the law but went straight to grace, ma'am you're forgiven, go sin no more wow, 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 how was that? well he knew that the law was to be given to the proud of heart when people have been broken of that pride and understand their sin they don't need the law there they need grace and he takes them right to himself that's all that's needed well do you know the truth is today in the church you watch any different approach to sharing about the beauty of Christianity and inviting people into Christianity no law 100% grace no high standard it's like just come it's good you'll like it you'll want it come get it right now do you know that today they estimate that between eighty and ninety percent of all people who presume to make a legitimate profession of faith in Jesus fall away and show no fruit why is that because the law has not been used correctly to test man's love and it's hey you want to marry yeah I want to marry well the stipulation, ah no stipulation, don't worry about stipulations. come on, get married whoever wants to get married, come get married, oh okay, why not, I get to go to heaven, I'll get married and then nothing happens, why? because there was never a marriage partner that even met them at the day of the wedding, it was not a legitimate the law is our friend, the law is used to show us hey, we got a, we got a problem, I can't keep the stipulations, I, I must not love God, so that Number one, there is a, uh, before I go to number two, there's a, a good story that maybe would help you answer this question. How do you know if you pass the test? How do you really know? Well, I want you to think of, of a why in the road. You're going in a road and there is a why. And this way, to my left, you're right, that's the way that God says we should go in his word. To my right and your left, this is the fork in the road that goes the way I really want to go, the way I'm living right now. I like it. I want to keep it up. And, and, oh, God says don't do that. The way you know you pass the test is you've come to the place in your life where you say, though I know I'm going to slip up and turn the wrong way sometimes just in my uh, moment of weakness, but my intention of life is to go the left fork. That's where I am intending to go so I'm meeting with a man that I met at the gym where I work out and so we're talking this man is living with another girl by his own admission no big deal da, 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 da. and we're talking and I go through the gospel he's investigating Christianity and he comes toward the end of our time together he says I believe Christ is who he claimed to be I think he is God and I think I really want him to be my master I said really you really want him to be and I explained the, the fork to the left and the right and the next week he came and said I, I think I've truly uh, come to the place to be in a marriage relationship with God I said man I'm so excited for you I said, you remember the why? Do you think? He said, I think so. And I said, well, why don't we do this? Why don't we just make sure? Why don't we do this? Why don't you next week, as an assignment, you write down the list of all the things, as little knowledge as you have of God in the Bible, you probably can guess some things that God would say you shouldn't do that you're doing now. Write those down in a list, and let's go look at them and just think about them next week. See, I'm still wanting to test the heart to find out where this guy is. You know what his response to me was? Oh, okay, you mean like, like uh, sleeping with my girlfriend? Uh, you think that's, that's that the type of thing you're talking about? I said, no, it could be one of them, yeah, you know, just, <laughs> just whatever, and next week he came with this very full list. He said, here are the things. And I said, well, what are you gonna do about it? And he said, well, first of all, I, I gotta quit living with my girlfriend. And he did, moved out then, until they were ready and I had the privilege of marrying them not long long afterwards he said you know what yeah this is and today member of this church walks with the Lord well I believe that was he passed the test of love the law was given so that he could find out am I legitimate or am I not but there's a second use of the law here to enhance man's love to enhance man's love uh, verse 20 again let me pull it up again verse 20 and Moses said to the people and it's interesting do not be afraid for God has come in order to test you and in order that the fear of him may remain with you hey don't be afraid God came so that you could be afraid <laughs> by the way those are two different uses of the word fear the first don't be afraid like a, a child of a, a a drunk father or of a venomous snake very healthy to have that kind of fear. The second is a reverential fear. It's where you reverence the one that we're talking about, God himself. Do you know, there is something incredibly beautiful about stipulations, rules, requirements, that are high standards but are fair standards. They make for a relationship to be far greater. I was talking to a man two weeks ago, another state where I was founded, he played basketball for the school where I went, to university, and, and uh, found out that his basketball coach at, at, uh, at Alabama was, was my high school coach uh, in, in my high school, in basketball. Oh, this guy, number one team in the state, this guy, only because he was the greatest coach, no doubt about it. This guy was a great coach. But any of us that would see him in a hallway during a school day wouldn't physically do it, but emotionally we'd stop and salute when he went by. We feared that man. Oh my goodness. His standards were so high. They were fair, but they were high. And he drove us to standards that caused us to love him like nobody's business. I said, hey, let me ask you, what do you think about? What'd you think about the coach? He said, man. He'd scare you to death, but we loved him. Man, we loved him. Isn't that interesting how that goes together? Parents, just a word of application here. Apply it to us. If you think the way you're going to get the love of your children is lower the standards, and then sometimes, even if they're fair, maybe they're beyond fair, they're overly generous, and they lower the standards, let me tell you, don't expect the love to be what it should be. Let there be a healthy, appropriate fear let there be a sense of reverence where they go wow, this person has put a big standard but it's a fair standard and they, and they keep the standard what it should be you keep good standards high and love begins to grow, it does that's the use that he has here, do not fear put it this way, can you think of somebody who's in a, a marriage relationship and is saying you know, even as Christians, I'm going to do away with the sixth commandment, thou shalt not commit adultery And I'm going to have relationships with other women, but I'm going to have a growing, loving relationship with my wife. It will not happen. It's literally given so that love may remain. In fact, do you know it says in the book of Matthew 24, 12, because of lawlessness, love will grow cold. You take away the high standard, the appropriate high standard, fair high standard, and you pull it down, and watch love diminish. It happens. Raise the standard. Embrace it. Watch love begin to grow. Christian, know this. You are both, one, free from the law as to a means of acceptance of God. You're free from the law. But number two, you're obligated to the law as a means of holiness. If you want to be holy, embrace the law of God. Now, having said that, let's look now at a little self-evaluation so that as we close in prayer, we'll be able to kind of know how should we be praying for ourselves. Let me give you three responses to the law. And you pick privately, silently, what do you, where do you think you land? The three responses, number one, would be to hate the law and keep it. Uh, those people would be called legalists there are people who are non-religious legalists we call them moralists and then there are religious legalists and we call them Pharisees but there are people religious or non-religious who say I hate the law but I'm going to keep it I better keep it I hope you're not there but if you are acknowledge number two You could say, well, no, to hate the law and therefore to reject the law. Those people are called antinomians. There are religious antinomians, and we call them rebels. There are religious antinomians, and we call them prideful rebels. They say, I'm not going to keep the law, but I'm not going to be hypocritical about it. I hate the law. Why keep it? I'm not going to do it. And I hope that's not where you are. But if it is, better to acknowledge and say, I know where I am. Then there's number three. Number three is to love the law and thus keep it. These people are Christians, real Christians. Not that they keep the law perfectly. But what they're doing is they're people like the psalmist says, Oh, how I love thy law. It's my meditation day and night. This is Jeremiah who says, Oh, uh, I found your law and I ate it, your words. And they became to me the very joy and the light of my heart. That is where we want to end up with a love. So, the question we have to ask is this simple question All right, what causes us to fall in love with God's law? It's pretty simple. You have to fall in love with the giver of the law, and you will find yourself liking the law. That's all you have to do. So, any of you parents of young children? Have you been parents of young children? You remember when it was time to say, "Okay, let's groom. You need to brush your teeth. You need to take a bath. We need to scrub under your arms and whatever. Uh, I need to wash your face. It looks nasty. We need to comb your hair. You know." And you know, kids, "Oh, don't do that to me. Oh, do I have to take a bath? Oh, do I have to brush my teeth? I do that everything. We hear that all the time. Well, don't worry, parents. It's going to take care of itself. A little boy will beat a little girl. A little girl will beat a little boy at some stage." It's gonna say, Where's my toothbrush? (laughs) They're gonna say, I want to groom, I want to look good, I want to smell good. Well, why? Because I like her, I like him. (laughs) Same thing with God's law. I don't like God's law, I don't like God's law, huh? Wait till you wait till you fall in love with him. Then you say, Oh, I love the law. It's my meditation day and night. So Can I ask all of you, can I ask all of you as we pray, would you allow God to test you and your love with his law? Would you ask God through this series that you're going to invite him to law by law by law to ask yourself the question, do I love the law or do I not? and to evaluate do I have a true marriage relationship with God or did I walk down a spiritual aisle and, and, and make some ceremonial prayer of invitation but man, maybe I'm not I don't really love the law maybe I don't love the God of the law and use it to, to be a tutor to drive you to the cross and see the work of Jesus and his great love so that you might fall in love with him and then say the law it's good or for Those of us that know we're Christians There's no doubt in our minds We're followers of Jesus Would we use this time to say Lord would you use this series Because I think my love has cooled off a little bit I think there's some of the stipulations That I've been hedging my bet against a little bit Kind of hoping maybe it's not really still a law Maybe it's not really that important Most Christians don't do it anyway Maybe I shouldn't And maybe relook at this whole thing And say God I want to rekindle the fire of my heart Would you grant that for me and let's use this series that way. Let's watch what happens and, and use it as a time to, to repent. Some of you might want to do that even now as we pray. But before we pray, the last word is to our young people Youth, I'm on plead with you. You hang in this series until you find yourself saying, The law, positive. Oh, I understand now. The law was given to protect, to protect me from others and, and to protect others from me and to protect me from myself. Every law is given with that heart and mind by our God. It is. It's good. And I want you, of all people, to love that law. And when you see others breaking it, may your heart hurt thinking, oh, this is a good law you're breaking. You're losing in breaking of the law. Hold it and love Because that's what life's about You want to love? Go to the law Believe it or not That'll take you to Jesus That's the giver of grace Let's pray together Father we ask you now Would you grant us Over the time of this series Even next week as we begin Looking at the first law about other gods I pray that you would open our minds and hearts to see where we are and if we don't love your law right now if we don't find ourselves loving your law would you grant that by the end of this series and particularly our young people God I pray that we would have young people change their way of thinking about you and your law even because we have met together so bless this time thank you now and lead any of us now into that love relationship by simply seeing how beautiful you are how lovable you are, and therefore love your law. So grant it, we pray, in the great name of Christ our Savior. Amen. You've been listening to the Perimeter Church podcast. Perimeter Church is located at the corner of Highway 141 and Old Alabama Road in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit our website at www.perimeter.org for more information, to give us your feedback, and find other messages from our teaching team. Thanks for making this podcast a part of your day.